0: That's why we started this series, 25,000 mornings at the beginning of this year to just put a little emphasis on making the most of every single day because every day matters and every life matters. Um, The first week I challenged you to be ready because Jesus is coming soon. Last week, be kind, something that every single one of us could use a little more of, just a little more kindness. But today I'm going to call this Be Alive just I don't know, that's really not a good title, but I want to I'm gonna talk about valuing life. The fact that every single one of our lives matter. The born and the unborn. And this being a very special weekend with sanctity of life, uh Sunday today, Martin Luther King Jr.'s day tomorrow, where there there is an emphasis on life that I want to bring to you today. And there's a few scriptures that I just want to lay down as I begin this today. First of all, in Jeremiah chapter one, it says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart to serve me. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Psalms 100 verse number three says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. You realize you're made in the image of God. Job 33 four says, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. Every single one of us are uniquely and wonderfully made in the image of God. God loves you. He's madly in love with you. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. We know that our sins have separated us from God and there was no way that we could bridge that gap on our own. So God sent his son, Jesus, to become the sacrifice, the payment for our sins so that we could be in right relationship with him again. And when you accept Jesus, which many of you did just a moment ago, you walked across the bridge called trusting in Jesus to be in right relationship with God again. And freedom is a very special place. It's not just a church, it's a family. We said that earlier, it's just, it's a family. This is a unique place. And whether you're here for your first time or just watching online for the very first time or whether you've been here a long time, every single one of you are valuable members of this family because your life matters. Now, this Sunday being Sanctity of Life Sundays, I know that, that pastors across the globe will be taking their pulpits, many will, and will be defending the critical issues of our generation today, and probably the most critical, which is the sanctity, the sacredness, the value of every single life. See, in 1973, abortion was made legal here in America. A Supreme Court case where, called Roe v. Wade stating that the U.S. Constitution protects the right of a pregnant mother to take the life of her unborn child. I believe a law that should never have been enacted and should be overturned. But today, there are approximately 2 million unborn babies killed every single year through organizations just like Planned Parenthood, which receives about a billion dollars of funding from the US government, which I think is criminal, just in case you wonder where I stand. Uh, But there will be more babies killed this year than the total number of American soldiers that have been killed in all the wars fought since the American Revolution. That's 62 million babies since 1973. That's like 35,000 babies every week, 5,000 babies every day, one baby every 18 seconds. In fact, 180 babies will lose their lives while we're in worship this morning. Now, I know this is a sensitive subject. I know it's extremely sensitive. I know it goes to the core of our hearts. And I know not everybody is ready to hear this, but you need to be equipped with what I'm going to share with you because we are living in a a day and an age where we cannot afford as followers of Christ to sit back and silently allow lives to be taken without some kind of a fight we just can't. It's, it's, it's absurd to think that we could sit back and just turn a blind eye, turn a deaf ear to the millions of unborn children who are, whose lives are being taken every single day. Now, I know that it's a critical issue and a lot of people don't want to engage in it because it has emotional ramifications. I know it has political ramifications. I probably already ticked off a few of you this morning. That's okay. I'm not really interested in being politically correct. I'm interested in being biblically correct. So I'm just going to go to the word of God. So I want to share, I want to answer two questions and then ask you to embrace two attitudes. I'm going to answer two questions and ask you to embrace two attitudes. Number one, is an unborn baby, a living human, human being scientifically? Well, I've already answered it for you, but you'll have to figure it out for yourself. But is it a human being scientifically because you know, we're all about following the science Okay, so in an age of scientific advancement, we now know, and here's a lot of information, but uh, anyway, an embryo, even at its earliest stages, fulfills the criteria needed to establish the existence of biological life. It has metabolism, development, the ability to react to stimuli, cell reproduction. We know that even a zygote is a living organism with a distinct genetic code different from the mother's. So while the unborn fetus is fully dependent upon the mother, it's not part of the mother. It has a distinct and unique genetic genetic makeup, its own DNA. We know the heartbeat begins by day 25. Inhaling and exhaling by day 90. The delicate frame can kick, twist, flail, grasp, squint, frown, grimace, and even suck a thumb by day 105. Human personhood does not depend on size, location, or level of dependence. So an unborn baby is not just a clump of cells and it's not just a byproduct of conception. It is a living human being. And if you don't believe the science and if you don't believe the Bible, maybe you'll believe Dr. Seuss because Dr. Seuss told us in Horton Hears a Who, if you remember the story, Horton Heard a Who, it was a sound coming from a speck of dust and on that speck of dust were the Who who were living in the Whoville Well, he decided even though he couldn't see them to protect them and naysayers and neighbors thought he was crazy. But in spite of all of the naysayers, he continued to protect the unseen who's in Whoville and said it in a great theological way. After all, a person is a person, no matter how small, couldn't be more concise, couldn't be more clear, couldn't be more certain, couldn't be more correct. A person is a person no matter how small. So the second question, if we answer the first that a living uh, 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 unborn baby is a living human being uh, scientifically, is it a living human being scripturally? Because that's where we have to go for everything, right? The scriptures. Well, modern science only confirms what we should know as Christians. And that is Genesis 127, God creating human beings in his own image. We've been created in the image of God. Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as prophet to the nations. David said, praising God, he said in Psalms 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The scriptures make it very clear that the unborn child is a living human being. So we know it scripturally, we know it scientifically but we have to be able to walk it out. Max Lakato Cl- Max tells a story in his book, The Applause of Heaven, about a sweater that hangs in his closet that he never wears. He said, it doesn't fit anymore. Sleeves are too short. The shoulders are too tight. Thread is real frazzled. He said, logic says throw it out because it's just taken up space in the closet and he'll never wear it again. What is it about this sweater that's so special? It doesn't have a label inside to tell you where it was made from. So it wasn't made on an assembly line. uh, Just one of, you know, hundreds of thousands of similar sweaters. It it doesn't have a tag in there that tells you whether you can hand wash it or whether it can be washed in a washing machine or whether it's got to be hand dried or whether it doesn't tell you any of that. Why? because it wasn't made in a factory. It was made by a caring, loving mother who selected the stitch and selected the thread and selected the style and with her own hands wove and created this sweater for Max Lucado. So logic says, throw it out. But love says, keep it there. Why? Because it has value. Not value because of its function, because it doesn't function for him anymore, but value because of who made it. And every single one of us have value because of who made us, not because of our function. We may not be as an unborn child, may not be able to function yet. It's value is still valuable because of who made it. And you, And every single one of us, regardless of how young we are, how old we are, we all still have value because of who has made us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now the abortionist may call it terminating a pregnancy, but it's actually terminating a life. And what I want, especially is why, why do I take time today on a day like this? to be able to preach a message that I I know that most of the adults would say, yes, we believe that abortion is wrong, but there is a generation that if if they're not taught it at church, they're only going to hear the opposite at school. So for the sake of the next generation, please bear with me who have to hear the truth somewhere. Somebody got ticked off and walked out of the last service and And I'm sorry, but they said they don't want to be bombarded with this message. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you don't want to be bothered with me defending an unborn child. I'm sorry. But here's the attitude that I want us to have. Here's the attitude I want us to have. We have to practice loving acceptance. We have to practice loving acceptance to every single person because the Bible tells us in Romans 15, 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Is abortion sin? Yes, abortion is sin. But were you a a sinner when Christ accepted you? Yes, every one of us were. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there's no one here better than the other person, right? We've all have have problems and sins and things that are imperfect in our lives. But we need to be Jesus to those who have experienced the pains of abortion and lovingly accept them the same way Jesus accepted you and me. That's what our job has to be. We're not going to look down on people. We're not going to consider people second-class citizens. No, and and the fact is the statistics, statistics tell us that way more than we would like to admit have experienced abortion. And so we don't try to shame people. We don't try to guilt trip people. We need to lovingly accept everyone. In fact, no one demonstrates this attitude better than David. David had committed adultery, then tried to cover up his adultery by committing murder. But yet when he finally came to a place of repentance, realizing what he had done was wrong, he said this in Psalms 51, have mercy on me, God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me, and now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. You see, David knew like what many women who have experienced abortion know is that they are left feeling broken. And studies show us that more than 85% of women who have reported, uh, who have gone through abortions have reported negative reactions to their abortions. Everything from sorrow and sadness and guilt and regret and grief and disappointment. Some even take their lives. I know that's not the story for everybody, but for the large, large majority, it is. A few years back, New York Magazine did a cover story called My Abortion. It told the story of 26 women who had gone through abortion and many of them talked about the pain that they had gone through and the regret that they had gone to and many of them felt forced to abort and and the guilt that they experienced. Every single one of them need to know that there's a God that loves them just the way they are and they need to know that they can have acceptance in a church just like this. Every single one of us would want that for ourselves. We've got to be willing to give that for others. Loving acceptance. The second attitude that I want to encourage you to adopt is living alternatives. We've got to point to living alternatives because oftentimes women with unplanned pregnancies feel like they have no other option. In fact, the sad thing is that many of them feel like they would rather deal with the wrath of God, the consequences with God, rather than an unforgiving church. They would rather have to face God and deal with it than have to face other people. We need to create a different environment than that. We need to create an environment that says, you know what? We will lovingly accept you and we're gonna offer a different alternative, a living alternative. One way to do that is through real options for women. Real Options for Women, a great crisis pregnancy center right here in Plano that's run by Jennifer Shelton, one of our very own members. And what happens oftentimes, probably one of the best things that happens is when they bring young ladies in that are considering abortion. And for the very first time, they have an opportunity to see their baby through a sonogram. And they see that child on the screen and they can identify a hand. They can identify a leg or a foot. They can hear a heartbeat. Oftentimes it's in that moment when they not only have a change of heart and realize that this is a human being, but they recognize there's a holy God that created that child. Many times that's the moment that changes everything. You'll have an opportunity to actually do something today. As you walk out, you can pick up the little baby bottles. We do this every year to help Real Options for Women. We take those baby bottles that are out there on a table and fill them up with your change or your dollar bills and just just fill them up, stuff it with uh, money and bring it back. We give it all to real options so that they can continue to fight for the unborn. We love what they're doing. There's crisis pregnancy centers all around the world. Many of you know the story of Norma McCorvey. Maybe some of you don't, but Norma was the Roe in Roe v. Wade. In 1969, she found herself pregnant, unmarried, on the streets, looking for an abortion. She couldn't find an abortion in the state of Texas in that time because of the laws, but she found an ambitious attorney who would take up her case, her right to terminate the life that was in her. The court case lasted for three years and she ended up giving birth to that child and put the child up for adoption. Finally, in 1989, she came out of seclusion and declared that she was the, the Jane Doe, the Roe in Roe v. Wade. Well, the abortion activists, they kind of scooped her up and brought her in, made a movie about her life, and, and she started advocating for abortion and was actually working in an abortion clinic here in Dallas. She said she knew that while she was there in that clinic, Killing babies, her words. She was confused by the faces and the smiles and the peace of some of the people on the sidewalk out in the front who had come along with a group called Operation Rescue that moved in next door to the abortion clinic and had set up an office there. And she said she would see them out there with smiles on their face and a peace that she couldn't understand. And in 1996, a young woman by the name of Rhonda with her two daughters had a conversation with Norma McCorvey and led her to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. She accepted Christ and stopped working with the abortion clinic and started advocating for life and started working with an organization called Operation Outcry to help overturn this law, Roe v. Wade. She did that till her death just a few years ago. But that daughter that was born and was given up for adoption now is doing the same thing, fighting for the unborn. I think we ought to do the same. I'm going to take a little bit of a left turn right here in this message. And I didn't know how else to transition in this. So I'm just going to tell you, I'm transitioning. <laughs> so you don't have to wonder, why is he talking about it? Did you know that there are about 7,500 varieties of apples? 2,500 of them can be found right here in America. Now, if your wife has ever sent you to the grocery store to get apples, guys, you know how confusing it can be. I've never seen more varieties of apples. Why in the world would I say that? Well, it doesn't matter whether it's fish, birds, rocks, galaxies, snowflakes, or apples. God creates things, and then he creates varieties within those things, and then further creates diversities within the varieties, and God has given us the job of furthering creation. So not only is today sanctity of life, but it's also the weekend of MLK Day, two historic observances, but what is it about, according to the Bible, that separates human beings from all other life forms? You see, we as human beings have been created in the image of God, and that one single fact lifts us above the animal world, but it puts us on the same playing field as everybody else, every one of us. White, black, brown, red, yellow, whatever color you are, whatever ethnicity you are, whatever country you've come from, we are all on the same playing field. In fact, in the eyes of God, humanity began as one race. And I'm asking the worship team if they would start coming back up here and give me a little bit of help. In, in the eyes of God, all of humanity began as one race. And every member of that race is entitled to a certain amount of dignity and respect. Can I get an amen? Answer me this. When God created an Adam and Eve, what color eyes did they have? What color hair did they have? What color skin did they have? What was the shape of their face? Because, you know, we can usually tell where somebody comes from by the shape of their face or their nose or their eyes. We all have similar characteristics depending on what ethnicity we are. That's why we all say about the other ethnicity group that we all look alike. Or you all look alike. We all do that. Why? Because we have certain characteristics that are the same. What, what were Adam and Eve's characteristics? We don't know. You know why? Because none of that mattered when God was writing this holy word. The only thing that mattered is was Adam and Eve going to follow him and serve him and not buy into the lie that the enemy was saying about God. Well, obviously, we know the end of that story. And Adam and Eve deliberately rejected God's one command and things went from bad to worse and the world continued to create crater into depravity until the Bible says that evil was in man's heart always. Now I find it interesting that nothing is mentioned in the history of humankind before the flood about racial divisions among people, nothing as well as no specific characteristics that differentiated one from the other or identified the one race, human, the human race. You see, God's plan was that the human race would serve him and seek him and be in right relationship with him. And so even after he started over, destroyed the human race because the human race had broken his heart and he gave them a chance to start over after the flood, Man was in right relationship with God again so that they could be in right relationship with one another. In fact, God's plan has always been when we get in right relationship with him, then we have the ability to be in right relationship with one another. So he gave them this opportunity because he considers every single life valuable because we're all created in the image of God. And the best way we can be in right relationship with one another is to first be in right relationship with God. Mother Teresa was once asked how she was able to love the poor in Calcutta. And she said, I don't know any other way to love the poor except one at a time. One at a time. And with that, she became salt and light to the country of India. And no doubt, changed the way people in India see the poor, no doubt, changed the way the world sees the poor. How do we love the poor one at a time? Now listen, we've got two observances here this weekend. MLK Day, which shows and honors the movement and the message of unity, the movement and the message of breaking down segregation and racial reconciliation. But we also have Sanctity of Life Weekend, which which recognizes the value of every single life. Are are there, is there an abortion problem? Yes. Are there racial problems? Yes. Well, how are we going to change all of that? That seems like a big task for one preacher to take on. It seems like a big task for one church to take on. How are we going to do it? We're going to do it exactly the same way Mother Teresa did. One person at a time. One baby at a time. One brother at a time. I'm going to love people when I have an opportunity to. I'm going to help save people when I have an opportunity to. I'm going to take the opportunity one person at a time. And if every single one of us will commit to doing that, we'll be able to change the world. Just a little less than nine months ago, one of my family members, not my immediate family, but a cousin to my, chil- my children, my children's cousin, my niece, found herself pregnant, unmarried, and initially wanted to take the baby's life in an abortion. Our family prayed, everybody prayed. We were praying. Our hearts were ripping out. I know it seemed like an insurmountable task for her. With the father wanting nothing to do with her or the baby, she didn't feel like she had the ability to bring that child into this world. our family got together and prayed, as I know that many did. And in prayer, some of my kids got together and they said, we'll take that baby. You know what went through my mind? the challenges that any mother would have to take a baby. All the difficulties. All the struggles. But you know what it was? At least in our family as we gathered and we prayed and we talked about what what could we do. The first thing we did was offer loving acceptance. We didn't bash. We didn't preach we just loved and then offered a living alternative something changed in her heart I don't know exactly what changed it other than prayer or knowing that others valued the baby in her womb enough to take that child there were others that were in our family that were willing to take the child as well I think all of that coupled together, seeing how others valued her child and loved her in spite of this situation, turned her heart around. And just a week ago, a new little baby boy was born into our family. I know it's a hard struggle. I know there are no easy answers. There aren't easy answers when we're talking about an unborn baby. And there aren't easy answers when we're trying to walk in unity with people that don't look like us. You know, I love L.A. to the bone. I love this guy. But you know what? My life is not the same as L.A.'s. I haven't had the same struggles that L.A. has, and he hasn't had the same struggles I have. We recognize that we come from different worlds, and we've, had, we've got a different perspective on things. But you know we, we allow for those differences. I don't expect him to see everything the way I do, and I don't, expect to, him, I don't think he expects me to see everything the way he does. But we choose to walk shoulder to shoulder. And I love L.A. and I love Destiny. I love his family. And the way I feel like I can make the world a better place is loving one person at a time. One person at a time. One mama at a time. One baby at a time. And that's what each and every one of us are going to have to do. So if you're ready to change the world, it's gonna start one person at a time.